Welcome to the Sober Community Channel, where our goal is to open minds and soften hearts concerning one of the greatest healthcare crises facing our country, which is addiction to drugs and alcohol. Hi, and welcome back to Bigger Than Me. This is Rocky, and again, I am here with Bree. Hey, how you doing, Bree? Doing well. How are you? Good. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about gender-specific treatment. Gender-specific treatment. Yes. What does that mean? As they tell you in the meetings, men with men, women with women, except we're carrying it over to treatment. <clears throat> so we're talking about men with men in treatment and women with women in treatment? Yes. How do you fall in love in the med line that way? You don't. That's interesting. No rehab romance. <laughs> ah, such a common thing. So I, I relate. So, all right, let's get right into this then. So I'm assuming there's pros and cons to this? Mostly just pros, I would say. Let's talk about some of the pros, which also would lead to talking about some of the cons of non-gender specific treatment. Mm-hmm. Right? Everybody's gone to treatment and I mean, usually our lives are falling apart. Oh, Absolutely. We are at a low. It's so interesting to me, the reformation of the alcoholic ego, like walking into treatment. I remember years ago, the entry, you know, attitude that I had, which was my life is not working in any form. You can look at any department of my life and it's kind of all been crashed to the ground. Mm -hmm. But you give me 28 days. You give me three meals a day. I'm healed. Right. A couple groups, whatever the case, my ego reforms to the point where within week two, I'm telling texts, do not tell me how to live my life. You make $400 a week, and I'm not realizing that I'm literally homeless, according to the state of Florida. Yeah. Right, and then also you add in the romantic aspect of what's going on in my mind versus what's happening in real life, and I get some attention from a co-ed. I kind of forgot I had a drug and alcohol problem that's destroying my entire life. Yeah, it becomes, oh, let's sit next to each other in the meeting, and let's, you know be spades partners, and this and that and the third, and then all of a sudden you're not trying to figure out what's going on in your life anymore, you're too worried about them and how you're presenting yourself to another person when a week ago you couldn't even look yourself in the mirror. Swapping fist steps in between groups while smoking cigarettes? Mm-hmm. That's when you know she's the one. Absolutely. Right. Telling war stories of, oh, I did that too. Right. Yeah, it's very, very distracting, and it takes away from those core things. So I, I've never been in an all-girls group in a treatment center. Well, I would assume not. You're not a girl. And if I was there, it probably wouldn't be an all-girls group. Absolutely. <laughs> but I can assume that addiction has different consequences for women than it does for men. I've seen that firsthand on the front lines and on the dark side and whatever the case might be. Absolutely. So, so it seems like a lot of stuff that may not be the cause of addiction, but the emotional trauma that women get put through as a result of addiction probably doesn't even come out because our guards are up and we're in a group. Mm-hmm. And who wants to talk about whatever it is, whether it's selling themselves, being raped, all of these horrific things that are come as consequences of addiction. Who wants to bring that up in a group with a guy that might be the one sitting across? That Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or just that feeling of these people are going to look at me differently. A lot of women have walked that path. A lot of women have experienced those same things. And a lot of people that now work in that field have been, you know, at one point doing whatever it took to get the next one. And they can show you that, you know, hey, like, I've been there. Like, it gets better. You can get over this. Right. 
versus it being in a room full of like a mixed gender. It's not the same. You can't get as vulnerable, I feel like. Wounds need oxygen to heal. Mm -hmm. And if I'm covering them up... You're not doing any healing. It's not going to heal. And so if you jump that same thing to the opposite side, typically males don't want to look vulnerable. No. We want to look strong. We want to look like we have it well put together. Even in treatment, it's important that my flip-flops match my socks, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So the real raw issues, the emotional stuff, the whatever it's... The letting people down, the I, the I failed at certain things, which doesn't make a person a failure per se, but we need to be walked through to those conclusions. Might not even come out because I'm literally trying to look good if I'm paying attention to the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. And then the real emotional you're trauma doesn't even get a chance. Yeah, you're still just a dressed up trash can at that point. Right. So, <clears throat> so we're opening a... Women's program. Women's program. Yes, which is completely separate, separate housing separate schedule and everything from the existing program that we have already at Gatehouse. When are we doing that? July 1st. That's soon. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is definitely a topic and appropriate timing. So the advantages of that are people get to go in and if they're really serious, because it doesn't seem like somebody who's entirely serious would even think about going to that. No, absolutely not. So, and it's very much the same as like how Gatehouse does a long-term treatment program for six months with the step-down phase. Like these are people who would be committed, whether it's coming to Gatehouse or to another company, anybody who's that broken that says, I know I have some other issues that I need to address and I want to kind of do all of that at one time would be seriously committed. Absolutely. So let's just assume on par, any of the companies are good companies with good services. A lot of it is out the position of the person going into treatment and their mindset. How much do you think it really increases the odds? Yeah. And it might be not a statistical fact to be able to be recorded. But. I don't think it's necessarily a statistical fact, but I know <clears throat> from personal experience, like I got a lot more out of gender-specific group. I went to a gender-specific treatment. Granted, that was also straight out of my first rehab, and that didn't last long, but... Being able to be in a community where it's such strong women, like, did give me hope that, like, hey, I can do this. Granted, I wasn't ready to get sober. I right. just wasn't. Right. But seeing it and thinking, like, wow, like, that's crazy. Right. Just to have that group, because as girls, you know, you always hear, oh, I don't like other girls, blah, 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 because girls can be mean, girls can be nasty, just like guys can. But when you're in such a closed environment, not necessarily, you know, you're locked down for this amount of time every day, all day, it's not jail, it's treatment. It gives you the chance to really open up and learn to let people in. Because that's something that we've been isolating for so long. We've cut everybody and everything out of our lives besides that next one. That once you open up that door to letting other women in, it becomes that much easier when you go to a meeting. You're comfortable with women. To get a sponsor, get a strong group of sober supports, the things that we're told, it's just reinforcing that from earlier on so it gives you more experience in it so you're not so uncomfortable. It brings up a really valid point. I've, I've helped... Men, I've helped women when I owned a sober home. I 
got to see all of the issues kind of just come to the surface for people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things on all of those that I found very consistent is on the female side, there's a real big common theme of I don't trust other women. Mm -hmm. There is a um, this block towards true authenticity. I think we're talking about authenticity. And if we look to the root of that, and you're a female, so I don't, you know, it, how, no matter how prevalent it is or, or how ingrained it is, I think part of it, it looks to be like we are, well, A, we've hurt ourselves, we've been cheated on, we've been lied to, we've done the same towards other people, all that stuff just breeds distrust and, and contempt, mm -hmm. right? And then the other side of that is women seem to look at other women as competition for men. Absolutely. So that, that you can tell when a person is having the benefits of some kind of a spiritual experience because we all have those barriers. Men look at men as other competition too, all that other stuff. But when we Absolutely. can look, yeah, when our ego breaks down enough to look beyond those to the truths of the, the oneness and the brotherhood and sisterhood of what really is going on in this planet, something different happens. There's a higher consciousness that may not always be present, but the reality is like we all are in the same boat, so to speak. But when I'm stuck in that original mindset of their competition because I'm really worshiping whether it's relationships or sex over a higher power, I'm, I'm literally in a divisive position where I don't – I cut off half of the world. Mm -hmm. It's very common. You see it in committed monogamous relationships all the time where literally they are the only two friends to each other. And all of a sudden, this a girl who gets in a relationship, and the guys do it too. I, I've been oh, guilty yeah, of it you myself. Just, you cut off all your friends and this and that and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it, it – did. I mean, I think that there's a reason why the big book says jealousy is the ugliest human emotion. It mm -hmm. leaves us just isolated. But alone. when you take that as having a normal, healthy relationship, of course, you know, you addicts, non-addicts, you get in a new relationship, it makes you feel good. But when it comes to treatment and it comes to meetings, this is a matter of life and death. Cutting yourself off from everything and everybody else is a very easy pass to death. Yeah, you literally are cutting your support group in half. And then let's not look at the reality is that men and women have platonic friendships in very rare circumstances. Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes the truth is when two people get together, one is attracted to the other more than one the other one is, or they're both attracted. And the only way I've seen real platonic friendships happen is that has to be addressed, brought to the surface, and gotten over with. That whole, like, the person gets friend-zoned. Oftentimes, a guy will get friend-zoned and just stay around in hopes that that will change in the future. But if we begin to like the person, not for the sexual part or the romantic part, but for who they are, now we can get to principles of relationships. Like, I like their, whatever the case, they're honest, they're kind, they're pure, and then it no longer becomes romantic, and then true friendship is able to be brought about. Exactly. And even with, if women and men stop looking at each other as competition, you get to see who those people really are. True. And that allows you to foster friendships and support and all the things that we need to, one, be able to get anywhere. Because if you go around pissed off at the world and hating everything, you're not growing. Right. You're, you're not doing anything. So let me throw in a weird concept. Throw it. C.S. Lewis, mm -hmm. famous apologist, author of the Chronicles of Narnia and all mm -hmm. that stuff, <clears throat> wrote a book called The Four Loves. And it talks about love from four different perspectives. The first one is called storge. Storge is this love of common bond and affection. Like it's pretty much actually comes from a mother's love for her child, that similar bond of affection, but it breeds into the workplace. It's that water cooler. I really like this person as a person, but it's not a huge friendship. It's just the bonds of affection and commonality. Yeah. 
it actually is inter, it's even interspecial, meaning like when you see a dog and a cat that are not supposed to be friends and, and they then play they're around. So cute. That's that's storge. <laughs> that's that love of commonality. It's a base love for all love, so to speak. Then he talks about eros, the love of man and woman, the romantic love. And he mm-hmm. talks about the, the highest side of passion that comes through that. And then he talks about um, there's one that is about, it's actually philia. Philia is the love of friendship. And love of friendship is the same thing when you have a relationship with a person and maybe you don't even talk to them for two years. You went to high school together, you were boys, you all that stuff, and then you don't talk to them for two years, you reconnect, and it's almost like the conversation never stopped. Mm-hmm. The relationship just continues. It talks about that being the highest form of love for like humans, so to speak, and then they talk about agape. And agape is this divine love, this unconditional love that probably does live in every single human being when we clean up some things and get to a higher consciousness. And I think living in the mindset that when I came in, none of that was real for me at the point. Like agape, I had to be shown by other people in AA who were leading to new lives. Because I was so stuck in either Eros or, or even just the brotherhood stuff, which has a lot of elements of true love without motive or intent. But the, the stuff we're talking about is very much Eros and Storge stuff. Mm-hmm. It all of One of the things he concludes in that book is those all those loves fall short of a higher love and unconditional love and really just wind up setting you up to breed resentments. Which is absolutely true. So if you're focused on, you know, Susie Q behind you in the med line, you're not going to reach that level. You're not going to be able to find a higher power because putting all that other stuff in the way just blocks you from getting there. That's exactly true. And you... Mm-hmm. It is a very one-on-one relationship. Right. You can't find your God through another person. If the journey is towards peace and happiness, whether it's starting with a treatment center where I can kind of work through some of my issues and build more sisterhood with the women or brotherhood with the men, sponsorship carries that role forward. Usually we sponsor the same sex people, mm-hmm. right? And then we go to help others. And I found that like when you, because you, it's always kind of revolves somewhat around sex, this issue. I found out that like, when the big book talks about making this ideal of characteristics uh, in romantic endeavors, mm-hmm. like the first thought was like, oh, well, ideal would be whatever, red hair, five foot six, whatever that is, yeah. right? Not at all what they're talking about. The ideal characteristics of the relationship that I want. And those things, most of us want the same stuff. We want someone who's loyal. We want someone who's loving or caring or concerned for our needs. Yeah. Sense of humor, intelligence. We fill in the blanks on that list. What I didn't see coming forward and this is where like a gender-specific treatment center can help by showing me the opposite side, was that I would learn more about that and seeing how I fall short in that while carrying that through to helping other men. And what I mean by that is to give of myself when I don't feel like giving, I didn't learn that from a relationship with a female. I learned that through sponsoring a male when I didn't want to show up for a fifth step, quote-unquote, waste a Saturday afternoon, all that other stuff, but I went and showed up anyway. And I think as our cup fills up with working with the opposite, well, with the same sex in this process, eventually it overflows into the opposite sex. But if my cup's so empty, and this is where it comes into entering treatment, the cup's mm-hmm. totally empty. Oh, it's empty. It's about to, like, dry rot. Yeah. And then it's probably going to get filled up more from the same sex than it would from the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing the opposite side of that coin in this conversation. Yeah. And all of that's important. Right. Like, it's... <clears throat> crucial right because when like it's hard enough to focus on ourselves entering treatment whatever the case may be but especially when you've been in such like a deep dark place for that long you want to do anything but look at yourself right 
So, so I mean, let's talk about those things. Like when, when, when people are not focusing on themselves, now I'm in group and I'm concerned with how I look. Yeah, how you're too busy making eyes across the room and making and touching up your makeup in the bathroom. Yeah, I'm mean, just assuming in a gender-specific treatment center, nobody's concerned about makeup and treatment. No. Like literally all that stuff just seems to be straight removed. Yeah, and if you are at that point, half the time it's because you want to do it for yourself. Yeah. So not only would I have to all those distractions removed, probably I would assume all the groups have a different tone. Like we were, we just wrote a blog about this similar. Mm-hmm. We wrote a blog about difference between men's meetings and women's meetings in the recovery field. And one of the things that I've noticed is like I've literally walked into a women's meeting and didn't know it was a women's meeting, and you can tell that there's something entirely different going on. In it's that a whole completely thing. different like aura yeah it's like literally walking into a wall that stops you like it's either maybe there's either something sacred happening here or there's a seance and they're cutting off chickens heads i'm not really yeah, so is sure there a being sacrificed something's going now? on here that's different and then you just kind of just bounce out the door humiliated but i've also been in meetings that were not gender specific meetings it was just a meeting and maybe there were seven or eight people but it happened to be all guys and i watched the meeting go on for like 20 30 minutes wherever the case may be and then a woman called walked in the whole meeting changed Literally, the tone of the meeting, like, our, all of our, I mean, guards, it wasn't like everybody competed to be with her, but you can tell that the ego came back. You can tell that the stuff that we were talking about, whether it was infidelities or whether it was, you know, making little side jokes, which really point to truths of greater stuff of how we fall short in relationships, none of that continued the moment the girl walked in the door. Absolutely. And now imagine that in a treatment setting where you're getting real, you're getting raw, and that's what's going to let you heal. That's what's going to allow you to take that step to getting better and that you never even get to that point. Yeah, I'll never even pull those cards out with the opposite sex. No, or that feeling of biting your tongue when you have something to say but you don't want to say because you don't know what the aftermath is going to be of judgment, whatever, snide looks, comments. Right. Being in a gender-specific group... Like for me, being in and out of treatment, those are my favorite. Yeah. Because it, it gives you that chance to step outside of one comfort zone and into another. Yeah. Because it lets you – there wasn't – I think every single girl that I was in treatment with had had some form of sexual assault. Yeah. It's and that very, would have never happened if we were in a, in a mixed gender group. Yeah. So, I mean, there just seems to be so many benefits. It also just seems like the harder path for most people to take. Mm-hmm. Because you're used to it. It's easy when there's a distraction right there. Right. It's the easy way. Yeah, I mean, when they talk about, you know, we sought the easier, softer way, but we couldn't find it, it implies that that is the easier, softer way. This would just be going to a further level of extremism, which would probably have directly proportional benefits by going that kind of an approach. Exactly, and then that gives you, it carries on, and then it carries on that the living is separate. Right. It's not a mixed gender house, whatever, it's completely separate houses, the men have their houses, the women have theirs. In in the aftercare program for Gatehouse, I mean, they're opening up the gender-specific... The sober community? Is it also going to be mixed sex? What do you mean? Not mixed sex, separate sexes? Are they going to have yeah. like a women, like a girl who goes to treatment for the girls program, she's then going to go to a female only halfway house? Yes, yeah, she's in the house that Gatehouse has. How long the is the commitment program. for that program? 
IOP, I believe it's three to six months. So she'll go to a female treatment center and then be released to a female halfway house and go to a female only IOP. It's women's IOP. It's so yeah, so it would be yeah, a, the whole process. Yeah, it's all gay house, the whole thing. You live at the house, only women. You go to the center, only women. Groups, everything. Um, they'll go to different meetings. Just like with any treatment center that I've ever been, they never let the men and the women go to the same meetings. Right. Yeah, so they, they basically will have their own specific treatment plans, all that other stuff going Absolutely. on. And then, of course, they're, they as they probably get discharged, they're entering the community and then they're going to standard meetings as well, where there will be boys and there will be sneakers and mopeds and all the fun stuff. Oh, yeah, face tats galore, everything. Face tats are amazing. So that being said, that's that's... That seems like a very, very healthy track. I hope people take advantage of it. So I think you guys are going to do pretty well. I'm excited about it. I'm really excited. And it's it's hard to find, even if you go to a women's halfway house, right. which very rarely are there mixed genders anywhere else than Florida. Right. But even if you go to like a separate IOP or stuff, there's still men. There's like that's uncontrollable. Obviously, not you can't just completely block out the other sex. It doesn't work like that. That's not real life. Right. But for when the time comes that you really need to be able to form those bonds and to realize that it's okay to trust another woman. Right. It lets you grow. Yeah, I mean, when I think when I I when I had my house before I I got out of the industry, I had males and females. And I saw how differently they need to be approached, how differently they need to be worked with, how their core issues are the same as addiction, but they play out in very different fashions. Absolutely. And and I got so frustrated so many times that I literally went to shut down my women's program multiple times. And one of the things I made the mistake of is I thought, because I, I had a no fraternization policy. Mm-hmm. As you should. Which is unenforceable because you cannot legislate sexuality. No. Right? So there, there's like a couple cases Crazy enough, I, I mean, I realized I owned a couple's house. They say that you live your life forward, but you understand it backwards. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know I had a couple's house, right? Some of those couples now have kids and families, and some of them are doing okay, And but most of the stories were tragedies. Most of the stories were, were you know, fornicating behind dumpsters, and I got kicked out, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I literally just had somebody that I talked to this week that I kicked out for that years later, you know, and talked about just the way her life went as a result of some of that stuff of her decisions. But the reality is I just want to make the point that this isn't about legislating sexuality. We're going to get involved romantically with people. We're going to make our mistakes. This is about creating an environment where I can heal authentically because I'm probably still going to mess that shit up. Yeah, Yeah, nobody's perfect, but this is just setting yourself that much further. It's a different scenario when you're working through your issues while still making them, but you have another side of you in a support group that's helping you heal and working against yourself because that whole process of change where it's it's pre-contemplative, it's just happening and I'm not aware that I'm even involved in that. Mm-hmm. And then to a point where it's contemplative, like I see it because I've been taught it, but I still can't stop it. And then there's that point where like I'm about to do it and I'm like, this is it and I still do it. Then there's that point where like, oh, I'm doing it right now. Then there's eventually growth to the point where I no longer do it. Right? Exactly, because you realize it. Right. And you don't you don't execute. You don't keep going. Right, right. And and that's just the, the, the development of or the process by which people change and transform over time. But it seems like working with the same sex over and over again, and especially those who have that 
kind of a higher ideals about it because they've learned from their own trauma and they've made the adjustment and those the power of an example in that it seems like it will speed up my process of healing still make mistakes still get into bad unhealthy relationships over and over but it will probably shorten length of time before i get out of the cycle mm-hmm. so i'm really proud of gatehouse for for taking that approach because it's not the most marketable i'm using air quotes i mean nobody's yeah. looking at treatment like oh wait no boys no girls oh i'm thrilled oh sweet right. my <laughs> favorite right. like it doesn't <laughs> usually happen like that not at all not at all but 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 when somebody's really broken they go i know that this has been a recurring issue in me because I, I knew that for me in 2005 when i first got sober that i knew that although women were the problem it was one of the things that kept me distracted from getting better i spent my first nine months not getting involved i think i had like two one night stands normally i would have taken three hostages at that point in time whatever the case may be absolutely it's just another way that addiction comes out too right because it it changes it constantly changes if you don't keep it in check especially going into treatment you can tell me over and over again you have a problem with men you you seek validation from the opposite sex absolutely i know that but am i going to be aware enough of that to even care right no i'm going to do whatever yeah but completely taking out that option at least in the treatment setting it lets you get used to it. It sets for a better foundation. Exactly. For sure. All right. Well, this was a really good topic, and uh, I thank you again. Thank you.